<clears throat> All right. So, we get to section six. And it reads as follows. Under the gospel, neither prayer nor any other part of religious worship is now restricted to or made more acceptable by the place where it is done or toward which it is directed. Now, I think if you if you're very familiar with the scriptures, you probably you may recall um, the um, Samaritan woman in Jesus' conversation when he says to her, "There's a day coming, and really it's already before you when you'll neither neither worship on that mountain or this mountain." And he this kind of this is kind of an allusion to that. In fact, I think uh, I see John four. That's it, John four twenty one. Uh, if that's is that listed in the book? Because I'm looking online. Yeah. I think it's the same. But also, I mean, you know, worship was very restrictive and very um, um, pointed in the Old Testament. Things, uh, the way people could come, how they could come, the way things were to be offered up during worship. But also, the, here they are combating something that's in the Catholic Church again where the altar was put in a specific place in a, in a um, cathedral or um, building so that when people went to the altar, they would actually be facing Jerusalem. And so, uh, you know, the, the framers of our confession, as always, they're fighting against Catholicism almost on every uh, page. And they want to make sure that people understand since Christ um, there's no restrictions I mean the church gathering in a specific place to worship and we'll get into that as well and on a specific day all those things are commanded but you can worship God and pray anytime you want to anywhere you are and um, that's what the point being here and specifically Though church is set up in a in a God ordained specific way under elders and the authority of Scripture, um, you can still worship by yourself without an elder being around. Okay, wherever you are, but uh, not to neglect or forsake the worship, the gathering of the saints. But um, and that's what they're saying here: prayer or any other part of religious worship. The things we've already been talking about, they're not restricted um, or made more acceptable by the place. Because again. You know, that was a Catholic teaching. Well, you can come here or go into this booth or be with this priest, um, and it'll mean more. It'll be more, you know, God will recognize it more, and, and, and they're making sure that, no, that's not true any longer under the gospel. Instead, God is to be worshipped everywhere in spirit and in truth, daily, in each family, and privately by each individual. But also, more formal worship is to be performed in public assemblies. And these must not be carelessly or deliberately neglected or forsaken when God, by his word or providence, calls us to them. So there again, um, and of course Hebrews chapter 10 is mentioned, uh, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Um, and we know that the New Testament church, they met daily, they assembled. And it's just a... It's just a way of pointing out the fact that 
God is to be worshipped, and, and, and we're made to worship, and we need to be worshipping. And worship when you're alone, worship with your family when you can, worship at all times, and pray at all times, because we're commanded to, but also do not neglect public assemblies. And this is important because there's a lot of what I've heard called lone wolf Christianity being taught. And you've probably heard it. You probably know people who say, ah, I, me and God are good. I don't need church. I'm not going, you know, churches. I don't believe in um, organized religion. But, you know, God does. And so he organized it the way he wants it. And I get, usually people are saying that from a position of hurt. Man, some churches, you know, some pastor did this, some people did this, um, or whatever. But our Baptist forefathers made sure that they weren't supporting that kind of, if you want to call it religion or Christianity. True Christianity assembles. It desires to assemble. But it also practices private worship. And I think Jesus, um, when he was here, taught that very same thing as well. Anybody want to say anything about that or ask any questions? I'm trying to see. Where does that be? Nothing? All right. Let's go to number seven. It is the law of nature that, in general, a portion of time specified by God should be set apart for the worship of God. So by his word, in a positive, moral, and perpetual commandment that obligates everyone in every age, he has specifically appointed one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy to him. Now that's a lot of words in there. We've kind of encountered these already, this idea of positive commandments um, and moral commandments. The moral commandments summed up in the Ten Commandments. These are the laws. This is kind of a summation of the law of God, the Ten Commandments. They are moral in that we are to keep them. They are, uh, according to the law of nature, the nat like natural revelation suggests and really screams that there is a God and he should be worshipped. As much as natural revelation suggests or makes, reveals that God should be worshipped, I mean, that God, that there is a God, it also general revelation by default would say then if there is a God, he should be worshipped. But even further, by God's word, in a moral and a positive, and if you remember, we talked about this uh, when we talked about, mm, I think maybe the law of God, that natural law, again, is natural revelation, but there's moral law, God has written it on our hearts, but then there's positive law. He's told us, this is what you got to do about that law. And that's true since Adam on. Adam knew that there was a law of God. It was revealed in, in nature. It was written on his heart. But then in a positive commandment, God said, you can eat of every fruit, food in the garden, but this is one tree you shall not eat of. That makes it, that, that's what it means by a positive command. So it's more than just natural and written on our hearts. It is something that has been made known to us in a command. And of course, perpetual. I think you probably know what that means. It doesn't go away. 
is from now till the Lord returns, and at which point then we'll be worshiping him with no hindrances and no problems at all, right? But it obligates everyone of every age, I mean in every age, and he specifically appointed this one day in seven for a Sabbath to be kept holy to him. Of course, that is one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. And we believe that this has continued, as it goes on to say, from the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ, the appointed day was the last day of the week, the Sabbath, or the seventh day. After the resurrection of Christ, it was changed to the first day of the week, which is called the Lord's Day. And this day is to be kept to the end of the age as the Christian Sabbath, since the observance of the last day of the week has been abolished, right? The Sabbath of the Old Testament has been abolished in taking its place, or it has given way to the Christian Sabbath. We still have a Sabbath. Of course, ultimately, the Old Testament Sabbath pointed to Christ. He is our Sabbath. He's our rest. And I find this interesting. Every time I read this, I'm reminded of how often I think of Monday being the first day of the week. And as a Christian, that's not true. By Monday, we've already had, our week's already started. You know, it ends on Saturday and the first day of the week. And I think that's great because that's, and I need to make my mind, I need to somehow force my mind to remember, no, man, I'm, I'm not getting started on Monday morning. I'm getting started on Sunday morning, which is a lot better way to start the week than Monday, right? starting the day off with, with the people of God and worshiping is way better than starting off with the alarm clock getting you up and getting everybody dressed and going to work and doing all the routine stuff. But it gives us some uh, examples here um, of how the New Testament church after the resurrection recognized the first day of the week as the day that uh, offerings were taken, that People were gathered together to break bread, which if you know in Acts chapter 2, that's clearly what they referred to as worshiping. They, got, they, they gathered to break bread, and uh, under the teaching of the apostles, um, they were worshiping. And, um, and, it was, and they referred to it as the Lord's Day. So we do have a Sabbath, it's Sunday, and it's the Christian Sabbath, it's the Lord's Day. You know, we talked a little bit about the fact that some people still believe for, for different reasons that the Sabbath should be Saturday and not Sunday. That that was not abrogated and they get around these New Testament passages and I don't really know all the ins and outs of Sabbath, Sabbatarian worship. I, I, I probably should try to figure that out. And as I mentioned, there were, there were uh, Seventh-day Baptists and there were quite a number of them when this was written. And they got along fine with the um, Lord's Day Baptists. They all, they all got along, preached for each other, but um, most, of that, that, most of that gave way. It kind of went away, but apparently there's some still around. Somebody said they knew some. Who said they knew some? Is that you? You had traveling pastors, but... Uh, back in like the 1700s and stuff like that. I mean, you had church when the pastor was in town. Didn't you? There was some of that, yeah. 
you had to you had to make it work right mm-hmm. yeah and of course you know and that was there's a lot of extenuating circumstances i think you know i think some of that could have been avoided had they obeyed the bible and had elders <laughs> instead of a single pastor and if they'd have been training elders you know even even yeah even when paul left uh, titus at miletus or whatever i mean there was a lot of work to be done there but that's what he told them you got to get elders and put them in every church so it's almost like there were churches with no i mean i, I read that as there was churches there with nobody to teach them and no pastors um but you're right it was um i, I mean even my dad who was uh who was raised in methodist church he tells me uh, there were a lot of Methodist churches at the time that only met once a month. Now they still met on Sundays, but they only met once a month because that's when the pastor would come through. And it's funny to me that there was nobody saying, "Shouldn't we try to maybe train a pastor, and or we just wait till he gets here?" I think they looked at him as some kind of supernatural calling. That, oh yeah, yeah. You know, that they couldn't have had because right. Like, yeah, yeah. Three, three weekends. Yeah. <laughs> well, primitive, primitive Baptists, even now, they still, they don't meet every Sunday. That's right. They'll have their schedules up. They don't have any meetings. Just a couple times a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of, I don't know that all of them, a lot of them are, are very hyper-Calvinistic, kind of, eh, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. They're, they almost are, in some ways, um, fatalistic. I don't know if that if that affects why they don't worship that much or. They'll eventually die out. I mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're not. They they don't believe in any. They don't really preach the gospel. Right. It's not that they don't believe in evangelism. They don't, but they don't preach the gospel either. So. You have to think even their lost kids aren't going to be saved. They're not going to hear the gospel. All right. Well, any questions about that or? Uh, does it really matter if we meet on Sunday or Saturday? I mean, like, I or, mean, Friday or, or Friday, as long as we set aside a day. I mean, do you think the scripture teaches that we sh- it should be Sunday? I mean, it kind of implies that. Well, this, yeah, this definitely implies that that there there should be a day and specific time, and God has made that specific time. Now, again, I don't think I think we should worship when we can. Um. It seems that for whatever, at least after the resurrection, the church definitely were not, the Christians were not keeping the Old Testament Sabbath anymore, and they were meeting on the on the Lord's Day, first day of the week. And that's where it comes from. Um, I mean, you know, I think uh, about people who whose jobs, like a lot of doctors and so forth, that work and some of them don't have a choice to work on Sundays. Um. <coughs> when I was doing a mission trip in Thailand, they had, I guess their weeks in Thailand were different, so theirs was on a Thursday, because there was something about a Thursday and a Friday, Right. it was kind of like their weekend, so they would meet on a Thursday, and that was their set aside time. Well, I was going to say on, I guess, I mean across the world even, there would be time change, time differences so, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I think you, I think there's a reason they point this out because we're trying, we want to try to be follow a biblical model, which seems to be the Lord's day. And for us, 
especially the way our culture works and the world works, Sunday is the best day for, because most, most secular employment is Monday through Friday. Unless you want to change it to Saturday, and there again, I don't know. There's a footnote in the uh, Reformation Sunday Bible from R.C. Sproul where he said uh, in the scripture of 1 Corinthians 16 where it said the first of every week right. when they put something aside, when they when they would contribute or donate, uh, his footnote on that says the reference is to Sunday, the day with which on which the resurrected Lord met with his disciples, uh, also called the Lord's Day. Uh, indicates that early Christians from the first century onward always met on Sundays to break bread, part of worship. Right. So I guess that was the reason it started like that. That's right. Yeah. The resurrection day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would say, if you're asking me my personal opinion, Sunday worship should be what we practice, but if we practice other days, that's good too. You know, I mean, um, and especially if you're, you know, the thing about sat, uh, seventh day worship, they're they're believing that Saturday that everything else is sinful, that you're disobeying God if you don't worship on Saturday, that that is the Sabbath, and it should be kept. Um, and I don't think I don't think that we, I don't want it, and we're gonna get to this in section eight right here. I, I don't. I don't know where you draw the line. I don't want to be legalistic because Paul, ha- you know, the Bible gave us strict instructions. Don't let anybody judge you according to feast days and holy days and one day is better than another day. But I do see why uh, the church for all these centuries ha- um, has tried to keep worship on the on Sunday and the Sabbath. I think that I think that's why best I can answer and, you know, I just wouldn't have a, I don't know how you would make it work another time. Um, in our culture, especially. Yeah. It would be very difficult. In, uh, and I, and I, as I said earlier, I've got to retrain my own thinking, but that's a much better way to start the week, you know. Let's start our week in worship. And, uh, and, you know, midweek, which is what we're doing now, all that kind of stuff got, there's a lot of, just like Sunday evening service, a lot of people go back to the Old Testament and say, "Well, there was a morning and an evening sacrifice, so we do morning and evening worship." I mean, I don't know if that's—I don't see that prescribed or even mentioned in the New Testament. And of course, I don't know that there's—I would say the the argument for a Sunday evening or midweek service or even any other day would just be the way the church met in Acts, where they met daily. They did this every day. They met on Lord's Day, and it seemed like there was more specific things, like with Paul saying to the Church of Corinth, "When you meet on Lord's Day, take up this offering, so we can." So obviously, it seemed like that that Lord's Day meeting was more special, more um, particular than the, the but other you days. You can't make it legalistic because Paul was not with them on Sunday for most of those writings; he was in prison. Right. So it, I mean, he couldn't have done anything with the body then anyway. Right. So you can't carry it to a legalistic view. No, no, and I think that's the the biggest point is here. God has, you know, God has um, made it clear that He wants a day set aside for rest and worship of Him. And um, I guess you could 
there's probably some people could argue the why of that much better than me. But I've tried to think through it, and um, this is this is the closest thing I can see is the uh, and the stuff I've read. The arguments just taken back to the resurrection day, and it it seems like something shifted for uh, even even the Jews that became Christian. Everything that was associated with Judaism passed was passed away. You know. It's, they stopped doing that and they started doing something new. And so um, I think that's why. But now our our early Baptists, our English Baptists, they, they kept going with number eight. The Sabbath is to be kept holy to the Lord when people have first prepared their hearts appropriately and arranged their everyday affairs in advance. Now, and, and I think that we... For the most part, we, we still do this, maybe even without thinking. But, you know, a lot of things you have to calendar off, and, you know, I'm always looking at this thing, trying to figure out what I've got to do. But I always know I always know what's going on Sunday morning. Like, there's never, nobody could ever say, could you come do this at Sunday morning at 10? And me go, I don't know, let me see what I got. I mean, I know what's going on Sunday, you know. My whole life has been, and, and again, probably at times in my life that was very legalistic that I thought, you know, I'm doing God a favor and God's very proud of me for going to church on Sundays. And, and I've since grown to understand uh, God doesn't need me, but I need him. And so I'm thankful that my life has been arranged in such a way and I've tried to, you know, I mean, I missed last Sunday. I try not to miss very often because I want that passed on to my children too. I want them to know that, hey, the people of God... We have a day that we get together and worship, and that's a special day. And don't ever neglect that. Um, and, and again, I don't think that's being legalistic. I think that's, this is what God's told us to do. And so, but they keep going and saying, then they observe a holy rest all day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their secular employment and recreation. Now, if you can do that, I, I don't know how I can control my mind that well. That I gotta even not even think about secular employment or think about. Now it's interesting they add recreation, and the reason again is, I mean our our Baptist uh, forefathers they were very um, crotchety people. They didn't like kings. They didn't like popes. They're a lot like us, you know. We we sit around. And we don't we don't like presidents and we don't like governors and politicians. They didn't like them either. Because they believed in freedom. And so two kings, I know one was King James one, and I can't remember the other king. Because this is what king, you know, kings love to be the head of the church, though they had no business being the head of the church. Because they liked to they wanted to control everything, including what they wanted to do. If they wanted to divorce and the church said no, then they become the head of the church and y'all know all those stories. I've declared that now I can have a divorce and I can have a new wife. I can have three wives. Because I'm now over the church. They didn't like anybody to confront them about anything. So these kings had written, because the Puritans were very much this way. They were against, they didn't think you should do anything that looked secular on some days. In fact, there were a lot of kinds of sport and recreation that they thought Christians shouldn't engage in. And the kings wrote 
little I don't guess I guess maybe call them edicts, but they were it was called one of them was called the Book of Sports, and it was all the things that Christians can do on the Sabbath, and it almost included everything that the Puritans didn't think people should be doing. So once they got a chance, they had they actually had a book burning. They burned all them. They they found out every book of sports they could find, and uh, they burned them because they were they didn't like it. And so that's that's one of the reasons this is in here, um, because they felt like, and and this is, I, I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but one of the things about the Puritans is that they they took everything as far as it could be taken, and um, I don't know. This is something that we can discuss, but it goes on to say not only that, but they also filled the whole time with public and private acts of worship and the duties of necessity and mercy. So they did at least say, ah, somebody's dying, you can go resuscitate them. Or if somebody's hungry, go give them some food. That's what a necessity, uh, a duty of necessity and mercy. Or as Jesus said, your ox in the ditch, you gotta go get it out. Um, but, but, you know, reading some of the old Baptist writings about this, they would say, but if your ox is not in the ditch, let him be because he's getting... He's getting to observe the Sabbath just like you are. He's getting a rest, a day off work. And so, you know, they, they were trying to pull those principles from the Old Testament Sabbath that were actually good for men to do, to stop and rest, take a day. And, you know, sometimes I know I pray this way on Sunday morning when I'm doing sort of pastoral prayer because it's for me as much as everybody. Lord, please help us for just a little bit to not think about tomorrow, not think about Wednesday not think about the things we got to do this week and help us to concentrate on worship and just think about you. Because that's hard. I mean, I know what it's like to sit where you sit because I know everybody's not just sitting there hanging on every word. I mean, I know what it's like. Your mind's over here and you see something out the window. Thankfully, our windows are kind of not where you can't see them anymore. But these are difficult things. So um, I'm not saying that this section shouldn't be there i'm just saying you know take it for where it was written how it was written what their concerns were because you had kings coming in saying trying to direct what the church ought to be doing and they're like no sir we're gonna you know we're gonna take the word of god and decide what we don't need a king telling us how to what how to observe the sabbath day so anyways um, and I think too it's one of, I know today especially these days it's kind of especially in the in the American church that it's get to where we're we do things a lot of times as to what can we do or what can't we do right or what what can we get away with doing and still be considered good Christian people right and instead of viewing it that way, I think like the church fathers, the Puritans were saying, you know, this it's an honor and a privilege to have a day to serve God. And yes. we should view it that way. You know, not as, well, what can I not do today? Well, I don't need to watch football today because it's the Sabbath or whatever. That's not the point of it, I don't think. It's but again that's that's the way we view things these days and and we're so, you think about all the distractions we have today that they didn't have back then. Mm -hmm. TV, just as an example, internet, phones, yeah. and everything. You know, 
it was probably a lot easier for them back then to, to right. devote a day to just worship. And, Absolutely. And so, well, and, and again, that idea of us being salt and light, if, if our lives are exact, we say the, the Sabbath, the Lord's Day, is our, a special day to, to the church. But we treat it like any other day, or like all the secular world is, we do the same thing that all the secular world is doing exactly the same. Then I would say, you know, people would be just in saying, well, this don't mean, you know, there's nothing to Christianity doing the same thing I do on Sabbath. But there again, you don't want to be, sub, you know, we're not sub, subject, we're not subject to what men think. But ultimately, we just need to be concerned. Am I worshiping? Do I have? Am I setting aside time to worship the Lord? Am I resting from my work? Am I concentrating on the Lord? I mean, you know, they, they say all the, for the entire rest of the day, the whole time of the Sabbath should be filled with public and private acts of worship. <laughs> and I think uh, it's probably fair to say that we should strive to do this. Yeah. Whether we can, but that we're not condemned because Christ is our Sabbath. Right. We're not going to be condemned if this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thankfully we're not because. Uh, yes, and they put this verse. Don't hold on that. They put this verse, Matthew twelve, and this is the place where the Pharisees are condemning Jesus for you and your disciples are walking through the field pulling grains ahead, eating it. You're not supposed to be eating. You're not supposed to be walking and doing these things. And in which Jesus said, you know, David. If you don't recall, David did something similar to this. He went in and ate the bread that only the priest is supposed to be in the place the priest is supposed to be. But, and, he, and he says, um, you know, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I mean, you don't even understand that the Sabbath is me. And in one place he said, uh, in Mark chapter 2, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so if the Sabbath becomes the point and not Christ, then we're, we're in a bad spot. What were you going to say? That was exactly what I was going to say. Oh, you know, he, I didn't mean to steal he it. He was focusing, you know, he said that the Sabbath was made for man. Yeah. So the Sabbath is supposed to be for our benefit, not us doing something for God, but God gave it to us as a time right. of rest and renewal. And, and Absolutely. And we, and we can tend, and I see that the danger if, you know, if your Sunday is filled up just like the rest of your day, or your, then is it, is it a, the blessing to you that God has intended it to be? And I see that. Now, I've heard people, you know, preach on this, uh, people that I agree with that hold the, to the faith the same as I do, Reformed Baptists, and they get to that part, and, you know, they go off on every, you know, travel sport and people that, and I'm like, okay, I promise you, these people did not have travel sports in mind when they wrote this, you know. That was not what they had intended. But now, again, I can see um, how that could be a danger. I mean, we had to work very hard to not let that become um, a problem for our family because it easily could have. And there was, there's been some days where there were, there were some Sundays where we didn't play till after one, but some days we didn't go at all. There were some days I let uh, Jonah play, but we, it was after he was 16 years old and 17 and... And we just didn't we, we just didn't allow that to take over to where three month three Sundays a month we were traveling, traveling playing baseball or you know we just weren't gonna we just found out it wasn't 
I mean, at the end, it doesn't make you, it, it doesn't really get you uh, what people think it does anyways. And, um, but it's been, it was funny to me when the first time I heard this, this taught, that was what they got to that recreation and went off on everything. But, um, anyways, anybody else want to comment? I'm just thinking, I was thinking of myself the way I used to be uh, before becoming a Christian. Sunday to me was, even though I was going to church as a Jehovah's Witness, I would go Sunday morning and then leave as soon as it was over, go home. Back then I played fantasy football. So I would stay in front of the TV from 12.30 to midnight watching football and keeping track of my fantasy right. sports and all this. I mean, that was about Sunday. It was, mm-hmm. The church was just kind of an afterthought. You know? Right. Like, well, I did my duty. I went to church that morning. Right. And then the rest of the day, I worshiped the God of football. Right. And, <laughs> and it's just amazing how we can justify things like that. Yeah. Well, and, and, at the time, yeah. I wasn't a Christian, so... And I do think it's it is. I mean, Sabbath means rest, and we have a, there is a rest for the people of God. Hebrews chapter four, and I think that's Christ, obviously learning to rest in Him and worship Him. Um, I, I was sharing with Brian earlier today. It's one of the reasons I've never tried to institute uh, evening worship here is because I try to that I do try to have time with my family on Sunday, whether it's at home. We may go do something together. We may go see somebody. Um, I try to I try to keep the kids around because that is to me that the rest of the week we're scattered everywhere, and I try to make sure okay, let's just keep this one day. Let's rest. And now I do like, and I need to mention before we leave tonight, this coming Sunday, uh, I like for us to get together some on Sunday evenings and fellowship and just enjoy each other. Um, but you know, when I was a full time pastor. Sunday was not a day of rest at all. I mean, because I had to, I had to do a lot of stuff before church. I had to preach. There was always somebody that needed something on Sunday afternoon. I would eat, try to get a, a nap if I could, but usually I couldn't, and then I had to be ready to preach again at six o'clock. And um, I mean, there, it got some days, some sometimes where I dreaded Sunday. <laughs> oh gosh, I got to do this again. And then you know, I tried to take Monday, but that wasn't doable. There was too much to do on Monday. And, and then you just, before you know it. So uh, I've been very thankful for Sovereign Savior for a lot of reasons. But one of the things about this is I really do, even though I still preach mostly every Sunday, I feel like I rest on Sundays. Like I come here, I feel like I'm able to worship with y'all. I'm, I'm at peace. Um, it's just something different and I'm very thankful for. And I do feel like it's a, a true Sabbath. I don't always... I don't know that I've ever filled the whole time on on Sunday in public or private worship, um, but I try to do. I try to keep it a day that it is where I can focus on what's right and good. But, anyways, I want to see if if you know. I know some people are out of town this weekend, but uh, and hadn't I hadn't checked with my wife, but I think it'll be okay. If we just do something at our house, if y'all want to, Sunday evening, and it can be real simple. We can, I mean, we can make sandwiches. We can make spaghetti. I don't care what it is. Something easy that we just kind of hang out and uh, get because I I need to get that started back. 
Amen. We're really messing up this Sunday because we're going on vacation. So, but you did it last Sunday, so. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm just saying we're not. We're oh, so y'all not, aren't y'all won't be here at all we Sunday? We'll be here at all Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because we're not just dwelling on spiritual things. <laughs> Man. But y'all are yeah, but see. I took I took mine before I got to this lesson. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I think what he said is the most important. Like it certainly wouldn't hurt us to do more. Oh yeah. Of spiritual thoughts and uh, less TV and less social media and everything that yeah. distracts us on Sunday. Well, I've heard tons yeah, of people that do exactly what Jeremy did in there in the modern church. It's like they do their Sunday morning worship thing, and then it's you know. yeah. Well, and like I say, I'm not. Gonna, there are some Sundays I do stuff. I, you know, it's rare. I, I went and played golf before. I went to the woods. I went fishing, but I've tried to do things. I mean, <coughs> but there's other times it would be better if I would just sit around and read and really rest. And we do try to sleep on Sunday afternoon because it's the only time we ever. It's the only time during the week you could ever take a nap. Do you think our forefathers were being legalistic? I mean, like I said, I think if you're familiar with Puritanism, I mean, Puritanism, like I said, they were very stiff. And they were very, uh, I I don't know that, I don't know that pietism could be the word used for it, but they were very rigorous in their, uh, they believed in holiness and separation. But also they were under attack a lot of times, so I think that's why they included these kind of things, trying to be like we're, the, the Bible directs us and not the authorities. Well, but, they were battling the Catholic Church. Um, and so they were trying to... They were trying to separate themselves totally from the Catholic Church. Right. But to answer your question completely, like Brian just did, I mean, the default side of man is always legalism. We try to find, but now you don't want to go to the opposite side and say, "No, nah, man, don't do it at all. just I mean, don't even worry about this." I think there's a pursuit of holiness in there that we should be after. That's right. But again, not afraid of the failure because. But I'll be restful and peaceful. Absolutely. You know, and so you shouldn't be guilty that man. I'm getting. I mean, I last week I was thankful to. I got to go spend time with my all my kids and my family, and it wasn't about where we were. It's just, man, I got to be with everybody. I know where they're at. We're talking, and I don't think you should feel bad about that. Now, it's like I said too. I don't want to do that three Sundays out of four, and every month to where you know, even if I could afford it, which I can, but uh, if I could, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want my life to be directed by that. I would rather it be spent in a Sabbath, a real Sabbath to the Lord. So, so kind of my thought process on it, at least where I've where I've where I'm at now is just like the Christian life, right? We talk about third use of the law. So God's law is a guide for us. It says, okay, this is the way God is. This is what mm-hmm. he calls good. And it's good for us. But he doesn't beat us over the brow to say, you got to do this, got to do this. Right. So when it comes to the Sabbath, we can say, yeah, it's not wise to be distracted and be involved with all these other things. And we know that. But unless we're doing it out of our own personal conscience and desire that God's placed there, mm-hmm. then it will be legalistic. Mm-hmm. Right. So in other words, if, 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 the church, if the church says, 
Well, this Sunday, everybody should go home and fast and right. just yeah. sit down and read your Bible and pray all day. Okay, now, unless I'm wanting to do that from the heart, now it's it's externally placed on me, and therefore now it's legalistic if I, if, if I was right. doing that. But if I feel drawn to go home and do that, then I should do that because that's God doing it within me. But I shouldn't be expecting everybody else to do this. Yeah, way. and I think that's, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the key when we use our our desires and experience to be everybody else's right. to be the norm rather absolutely and well i do think having a place of time to be together is you need that so we all know where everybody's at at a certain time now you're talking about the assembly yeah oh yeah. absolutely um, well i mean you know we know god's promise that's how he meets us right i took it as you were saying like outside of church Yes. Yeah. The rest, the rest of, the of the day. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But even that still, I mean, even though a lot of, like I admitted, I have been, I have used Sunday morning church as a mean, means that I thought was pleasing God. Like, oh, God is real happy with me doing this. But ultimately, as the people of God, I think that's something, too, that from our heart, we're just like, no, I'm, I'm going to church, man. I'm going to meet with the church. And uh, we know it's the right thing to do, but we want to do it, too. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it's something that comes naturally for someone that's, that is truly following Christ. Mm-hmm. That it's not just a, I've got to go, it's I get I to won't go. Do. Yeah. yeah. And, and even the rest of the day, it's like I know I've, my, my day, my, like I mentioned, my Sundays have changed tremendously since becoming a Christian because it used to be dedicated to the football. And I don't want that anymore. And like it's, it's not. It's something that just comes naturally, you know, because we want to we want to praise God and we right. honor Him. Not saying, you know, I don't want to be legalistic and say, well, we should be give twenty four hours to God on a Sunday. Yeah. But I just, you know, I think it is something that would come naturally to a Christian. Mm-hmm. I agree.